I'm Hillary. I'm Emily. And we're the Sirens. Today we're discussing Made for Each Other, the 1939 movie starring Jimmy Stewart and Carol Lombard, uh, which is about young lawyer John Mason, who meets and marries Jane on a business trip to Boston after only knowing her for one day. When he returns to New York with his bride, he is met with disapproval from his mother and his boss, who fails to make him partner. John and Jane soon have a baby, and while living in a small apartment with John's difficult mother, encounter marital strain and financial difficulties. When their baby becomes severely ill, they must go to extremes to get him the medicine he needs, all while wondering if their family will survive. Dun 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 dun. dun. <laughs> Build as a comedy and a romance. Not, oh my gosh. Not either one of those. <laughs> I felt like there were so many different types of movies contained within this one movie. Yes, I think that's right. There was like, there was maybe a, maybe a, like a glimmer of a romance. There was some suspense thriller. Yeah, the, there were, it's some of the shots even almost looked like a film noir. Like yeah. some of the weird shots in the hospital with like yeah. lots of shadows and long hallways. Yeah. And well, and whatever that 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 sequence was when he was like running through the hallway, right before, like when he was waiting for the baby to be born, I was. It reminded me a lot of Spellbound in the like dream uh, sequences. Yeah, I could see that for sure. I, that I was very confused when that happened because, like, that it's like a, a good thing that's happening. Like they're having a baby. Also, he he was sleeping in a separate room that was like a hotel room. Yeah. Things were very different, I guess, in hospitals then. But instead of it seeming like a good thing, it's like this frantic, like, running through the hallway. Anyway. The empty hallways. <laughs> yeah, no one's at this hospital. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was very strange. Anyhow, yeah. I do have some trivia on this film. <laughs> okay. Um. So this was produced by David Selznick. I didn't even mention this as part of the plot because so many things happen in this movie, but there's a long flight sequence where someone from Utah is trying to fly this life-saving medical serum through a blizzard to New York for John and Jane's baby. And apparently that was based on Selznick experience of, of, trying to have life-saving serum flown in for his brother who was severely ill he based the flying sequences in the movie on that oh my god did his brother survive do we know uh, i don't know i don't know but i would like to think so yeah but it's funny that they that was based on real life because i was like this is ridiculous this is like who came up with this is what i was thinking yeah and then of course that's the thing that was based on real life well, but like how how uh, strictly was it based on real life? Because you probably made most of it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this film flopped at the box office mm. and was a huge loss for Selznick's company of two hundred ninety-two thousand, which in t- in modern uh currency would be over five million dollars wow the loss was five million dollars yeah wow and i also looked at some of the like reviews and ratings online of just like what people think of this movie and it a lot of people 
are not huge fans of this movie even now. <laughs> and I can't say I totally blame them. <laughs> um, so, uh, even the trivia is depressing. Special effects technician Edmund Pelleggi was killed when he fell from a 40-foot catwalk while releasing balloons for the New Year's Eve party scenes. God. What a way to yeah. go. I know. Not, I thought it would be like if someone was killed, it would be from some of those flight shots. Yeah. But no, it was from the New Year's Eve land. party. So I don't know if you... Did you watch this on Prime? Yes. Okay. So this movie is public domain and apparently the original copyright holder failed to re renew the copyright like a long time ago so that anyone could duplicate and sell the movie. Oh, is that um, why there are three versions of it on Prime? Yeah, so that's what I was going to say is, is I thought that it was just poor editing, but so apparently pretty much all the versions of this are like severely and somewhat badly edited or of bad quality mm. um, because they come from like second or third copies of the film. Oh. And I did wonder, I mean, I guess well, we, we should notice, we should compare notes about the versions we watched because it felt to me like parts of the movie were missing. Huh. But I I didn't know if it was just an artistic choice or something. But the movie wasn't that long. I mean, the, the version I watched, it was like an hour and a half. Yeah. But it, it felt like the beginning, I don't know, it felt like things were missing from the beginning. Yes. And the ending was very abrupt and it just seemed like certain things were missing. Yeah, I was surprised with the, with the beginning that it was just like immediately we're dropped into he's like back at the office and like like talking to Judge Doolittle and whatever. And I was like, I need just a tiny bit of scene setting here. What's happening? Yeah, I mean, that's what I wonder if the original version maybe showed the meeting because like i i just thought that was an artistic mistake that that meeting yeah. and marriage happened off camera I agree. and then they're supposed to have this really strong connection we don't get to see any of that like we're just kind of dropped into it and told like oh we got married and I don't, yeah i think it kind of puts the audience at a disadvantage yeah i agree i, th I think it was missing because like the first time we see them together they're already married and they're already sort of like fighting their way and into married life and um well this last piece, on a honeymoon <laughs> i know oh my god i was i watched this with mike and i was like i would be done with someone who would just who would not just be like i'm going on my honeymoon i don't care i would have just like, told that like, guy who came on the boat like just go back to the office and say you missed the boat to say we already left and bye or like you couldn't find us or like be a realist be realistic johnny and just know that like you went to boston not and got married out of the blue you know that you went there for a big case like why would you expect that you would get two weeks off you know why wouldn't you like just plan it you know say like oh yeah obviously we can't go now but in six months i want to go i'm going to be gone for a month yeah that's another when the kid when the big case is over or you could just, you know, a lot of people didn't go on big honeymoons even. Right, they, or just they take were just a, like a weekend. <laughs> yeah, like go to Niagara Falls. That's where everyone used to go. No. Why does it have to be two weeks in Europe? I don't know. Anyhow. I went to South Bethany Beach for my honeymoon. So what do I know? <laughs> yeah, I, I, we went to Maine and I don't. we weren't even there. I think we were there like four days or so. It was not a big honeymoon. <laughs> yeah. Um. And look at us. We're still married. 
Oh, yeah, okay. that's true. So there you go. <laughs> um, the last piece of trivia is something fun. Uh, apparently a clip of this movie is used in the Foreigner music video, I Don't Want to Live Without You. Okay. <laughs> You're like dead silence. <laughs> <laughs> Not a Foreigner fan, Hillary? Oh, well, I was just thinking, I, I would actually like go find that video just to, to, to see the clip, I guess. But that's yeah. hilarious. I'm definitely going to go look it up. Yeah. I could see, like, this this movie I felt like was kind of bonkers in a lot of ways. But yeah. if you watched it with the sound off, yeah. I did think that the, like, chemistry between Jimmy Stewart and Carol Lombard was really good. And it almost might seem more romantic, like, just with the visuals. So I could see it being used like as background for something else without the sound yeah you <laughs> watch this with the sound off <laughs> um so who did you bio from this um, movie so i bioed lucille watson um who plays johnny's mother oh. um because this was a typical role for her she was famous for roles um like form formidable dowagers as the internet says. <laughs> so lucille watson was a a canadian actress um that was based in the united states she was born in quebec in 1879 and raised in ottawa um she was the daughter of an officer in the british army despite his wishes she traveled to new york city and enrolled in dra dramatic school so rebelling um she did spend most of her career as a stage actress appearing in 39 Broadway plays. Um, some of the plays she starred in were Captain uh, Jinx of the Horse Marines, Heartbreak House, Ghosts, The Importance of Being Earnest, and Pride and Prejudice. Her first film role was in the silent film uh, The Girl with Green Eyes, which was made in 1916. And it was a film version of a play she had performed on Broadway in 1902. Um, she didn't appear in another movie until 1930, so 14 years later, when she had an uncredited role in the Royal Family of Broadway. Um, and then in 1939, she portrayed uh, Norma Shearer's wise mother in um, The Women. Oh. Um, so. Previous podcast feature right. movie. I love there were a couple of other, like the guy who played Dr. Healy and the guy who played the the judge i think we've seen in other movies too so her most acclaimed performance was as fanny ferelli in lillian hellman's anti-fascist dramatic play uh watch on the on the rhine in 1941 um and two years later um she and um the guy who was the star um paul lucas reprised their roles in the film adaptation and she received an academy award for best supporting she received received a nomination for the academy award for best supporting actress she played aunt march in the 1949 version of little women uh which starred elizabeth taylor as amy um so i didn't mention a lot of the films that she was in and much of her theater work obviously um she died June 25th, 1962. I'm glad that you bioed her because we've actually seen her in a ton of stuff. Yeah. And if anyone has Aunt March energy, it's this lady. Yeah. <laughs> like, Josephine, the draft! <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, 
Aunt March, like when pushed comes to shove, like it turns out she's just an old softy. And yeah, um, that's true. Although I definitely would have kicked her out of my apartment if I were Jane in this movie. <laughs> I loved that she was that Jen kept muttering, "I won't say anything. I won't say anything. I won't say anything." <laughs> that's the worst too. When like so, wait, but I, I want to get into this. I want to talk about the John character, but I guess first we should say overall impressions <laughs> yeah before we get to in the weeds um i i i mean i think you said at the beginning that this was not the movie you expected um and i would agree with it like i was expecting like a romance i and especially at the beginning when carol lombard and jimmy stewart were sort of like i wrote that um you know we see like her like sort of very carol lombard hysterics and we see jimmy stewart's very like folksy like ho-hum like demeanor like Mm -hmm. the the these like characters that they are known for and it was neat to see them together but then the minute there was a baby I was like what is happening (laughs) yeah yeah it the the opening did make it seem like it was gonna be more of a romantic comedy like you see their hands signing the wedding register And it seems like there's an opportunity for comedy because, like, you know, the judge isn't happy because he wanted him to date his daughter. Yeah. And the mother's not happy and all of that. But, like, it quickly devolved into, like, marital problems and, you know, what it's like for first-time parents with a new baby and all of this stuff. I mean, I found it sort of harrowing to watch because it was just... Like it was, it was unsettling yeah. Um, and not at all. And the tone was all over the place. Like, yeah. you know, you kind of start off with that and then it becomes very discordant. And then like the final third of the film is just like a completely different movie. Yeah. The final third of the film is just like this devastating drama. Yeah. It's, and you know, a much of that final th- third of the film is just footage of a plane going through a snowstorm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is. I mean, it is interesting that like the movies, the movies called Made for Each Other, but like, in, in I guess it is mostly like about the not. I don't, well, I don't know. I'm curious what you think about this. It feels like in the end, what it's really about is how like early parenthood just like uh, destroys uh, your whatever like relationship you have, you know, as a like a married couple, and like really puts to to the test you're like your relationship because like you have this baby who's crying all the time and needs things and needs you and and you know isn't sleeping through the night although like there are a couple scenes where I was like how wait how is Carol Lombard just like sleeping through the night here with a four-month-old but yeah it I do think it was kind of interesting the way they depicted it because in a lot of old movies if there's a baby in it at all it's just kind of like you know some kind of pleasant cute kid Mm-hmm. and they don't show that side of it um and there's a lot of stats come i think there's a lot more like research happening about you know postpartum period and like what that does to parents and and all of that but i remember seeing stats recently that like the first three years post baby for each baby are usually like the worst times of a marriage yeah. so 
I mean, I, I don't know if that would have been different back then. I mean, they had some help because theoretically, like the mother was living with them and they had paid help. Yeah, I mean, um, they had a lot of like, we should talk about class at some point. But I was like, explain to me <laughs> how you have a maid slash cook and also the mother-in-law and also the the you know jane was staying home i like explain to me what you all are doing during the day (laughs) i don't know so many of these old movies we watch there's someone who's like someone else is sort of managing the household and or the children yeah and the wife is supposed to just sort of like entertain yeah and it just seems so alien to me (laughs) right because we're out here cooking and entertaining the children and and working <laughs> and working that's right i don't i don't know about the class stuff i mean the other thing that was confusing to me was that because john didn't make partner then they started having all of these financial troubles but they were living in a small apartment and i was like he was a lawyer in new york like i felt like he couldn't have been doing that badly i know it was the 30s but well, do you think part of it was that instead of he not only did he not make partner, but then when he went in to demand his rights, as Jane said, says to him, instead of getting a raise, he's asked to take a 25% cut. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, but could you, I, I don't know. I, had I mean, I don't time. know. Like, on the other hand, I was like, one guy, but he's a lawyer, supporting three adults, plus a maid, plus a baby. I, that That feels like it would be a stretch. Yeah, I guess that's that's probably true. But so I have questions about the 25% pay cut, though. I had trouble understanding if the judge actually was deliberately punishing him in some ways, because in like in the first half of the movie, it seemed like he was. And then in the second half of the movie, it seemed like he wasn't like he came through for them about the medicine and the money and then they made him partner they just turned around and made him partner and i was like well what you know suddenly there's no more financial difficulties like what happened i mean i think like some time passes i mean i i didn't read it as him punishing him i i took him at his word when he said like you know we are our our clients are cutting their costs which means we have to cut our costs and i don't want to let anybody go so i'm asking everybody to take a 25 percent cut but then he's also talking about like buying real estate yeah. at the same well, time as he's doing that right because he just makes that much more money than everybody else he's buying he's buying property while he can he, he's taking advantage of other people's misfortune right <laughs> <laughs> have you ever worked at a place where that has happened that they've asked people to take a cut. Um, no. I this did not happen when I worked there, but I worked the last place that I worked, um, which was like a bleeding heart nonprofit. Before I was there, I guess the budget got really tight and they all the management took a pay cut, but not the junior staff. They felt like ethically that the the junior staff should not take the pay cut that the management Hmm. should take the pay cut so they did it that way that makes sense but i don't know i feel like that i i rarely hear about this kind of thing happening anymore i feel like they just lay people off instead of asking people to take pay cuts i think at the beginning of the pandemic they didn't give us a like cola raise is what they did so which was essentially a cut but they you know they were just like we're not we're not we don't want to lay anybody off and so we're just not giving anybody a raise 
I have seen that happen at places I've worked, which is like, no raises this year. <laughs> Did you like when the judge said that something was malarkey? Yes. It made me think of Biden. He's always calling things malarkey. malarkey. <laughs> Did you think that John was sort of a weak-willed person for much of the movie? Yes. I like I I appreciated that at some point he said like to Jane, I think at the New Year's Eve party, he said, like, oh, I would die for you and Johnny, that like the baby, but like, you know, I'm holding you back or whatever. And um, and I was like, I don't know, like, is that true? Like, would you go to the ends of the earth for these people you love? And then like very soon after, he he like basically like storms <laughs> the judge's house in the middle of the night and is like, I need you, I need to I need five thousand dollars. And I need you to give me $5,000. Like he like he does what he says he would do. So I appreciated that. But for most of the movie, I was like, oh, my God, get a grip, dude. Well, it was his whole attitude was so defeatist. I mean, I don't necessarily think just going in and demanding a raise is always well received or like strategic. Yeah. But um, he was just kind of hangdog, like, oh, I can't take care of you. But, like, he didn't seem to really be trying that much. He just kind of, he seemed to lack self-esteem. Yeah, or if you're not succeeding at this one firm, why not go, like, try your luck at another firm? Yeah, that's what I thought, too. When they didn't make him partner, I thought, you should leave this place. Well, another reason I thought that maybe the judge was being mean-spirited was because they had that whole dinner at John and Jane's house. And then they chose that moment to announce that the other guy made partner. And the reason he did was because he let his daughter pick for some reason who should be partner. I don't know. I thought that was really dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that I saw that as mean spirited as so much as just like um like gauche or something. Like while he had everybody there, he was gonna mention it. But I didn't like Carter at all. No, no one liked Carter. Carter was the worst. <laughs> <laughs> and like I like how about how he was like he said, like, Oh, I'll come pick you up on New Year's Eve at nine PM and then he just never showed up. Yeah. Speaking of mean-spirited. Oh, that was such a sad New Year's Eve where everyone was celebrating and they were just sitting there being like, maybe we never should have gotten married. Yeah. Maybe we never should have had this kid. I didn't necessarily agree with John, though, that like if he was out of the picture that they would have, Jane and the baby would have been doing better. No. You know what I mean? Like then she would have just been a single mother with a baby. Yeah. So it's it, it would not have really put them in a better position and if if the problem was that money was tight that would not have helped well there was that right there was that moment and then there was the moment where he goes out on a bender and mm-hmm. when he doesn't make partner or when he has to take the 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 pay cut and both times i was like oh man or like is he suicidal are we like is this where this movie is going and jane is like you know you know no matter what we're like you're you know you're my lawyer or whatever whatever like sappy thing she says to him um so i was glad it didn't like go any further that way but yeah it it was kind of depressing like i do think that if you got married that quickly and then had a baby like immediately after it would sort of thrust you into a role of like oh suddenly i'm providing for these other people and when his attempts at it failed i guess it would 
be demoralizing. Well, and I keep forgetting that they, it's not like they had like a months long courtship or whatever. Like he went to Boston, they met each other, they got married. And then soon afterwards she gets pregnant. And so like, by the time the baby is born, like, have they been together for a year? Probably not. (laughs) No, I mean, that's, uh, even with people who have dated each other, I think I've just seen it be really difficult if people have a baby immediately when they get yeah. married. I mean, we were together for more than 10 years. And even then, I, we were like, we were kind of like, we needed those 10 years to like yeah. lay, lay the foundation. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I don't know how people do it otherwise, because it's so hard. I mean, it really is a difficult time of a relationship because everything changes and all the priorities change and your identities are kind of like shifting a little bit too. Yeah. Um, can we talk about the mother-in-law? Yeah. She was the worst. And I just could I she could not stand her. <laughs> Every yeah. second she was saying something insulting, like, oh, when my John was a baby, he never touched a bottle or you know, this is obviously so what's wrong with him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or wh- what about when she like burst into the kitchen and just started messing with all the food right before the dinner party? Yeah. And then the, the maid was like, I quit. I'm gone. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And then in, in a case like that, I feel like the person who's actually related to that person needs to be the one to say, you need to chill out. Yeah. I mean, like, I think she tried. And then like that was part of the big blow up on 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 new year's eve that like johnny tried to say something to her and she stormed off and was like nobody nobody cares about me when it turns out she's given the baby the the sniffles that turns into <laughs> life-threatening pneumonia like within hours but oh yeah and she was like it's just the sniffles yeah turns out grandma you know nothing <laughs> <laughs> i also thought it was funny how like when they left for new year's eve like Jane just runs out after John and then they never like tell anyone that like and she had stormed off and I was like is anyone gonna like tell her to watch the baby or like assure that somebody is taking care of the baby yeah and that they're like leaving and so they're not around or like what uh, yeah there were a lot of moments where I was like this is not actually realistic to like what it's like to parent like the the, the number of like e- overnight scenes where they're talking loudly and banging around in the dining room with the lights on like, <laughs> the baby's right there and then the baby wakes up and is easily put back to sleep <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah uh, I agree with you that 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 part made no sense in such a small space like that no way that <laughs> But I did think that they were making, like, they had a two-bedroom, and I was like, you can make a two-bedroom work with a baby. Like, probably when the baby got bigger, it would be a problem. But I thought they were being a little bit extreme of, like, there's not enough space. I'm like, you live in New York. Nobody has space. Yeah. I mean, it was seemed like a pretty big apartment. Well, and they actually had three bedrooms because the maid lived there. Because remember, he comes in and he's drunk, and Lily looks out and is like, do you need anything? And oh yeah. He says no. So that which means she's staying there. So like really, they could have gotten rid of their maid and their cook and they would have had a bedroom and more money. Just saying. 
Yeah, what are the financials here? Can we break it down? <laughs> Maybe have the mother-in-law who is so interested in the food do some cooking and right. get rid of get rid of some of the other stuff. Yeah. How did you feel as a parent with watching the scenes with like the baby oh my God. being near death and like the hospital seat, the baby in the oxygen tent and all of that? It was terrible. It was terrible. Mm-hmm. And partly I, when I was like, how can you stand? How can you, how would you be able to stand being anywhere away from your child while this is happening? I don't know. I thought that was really horrendous how the doctor, how they were lying. And even John said to the doctor, like, don't tell my wife what's really going on. And they, and the doctor was just like, fine with not, you know, it was just like, all right, I'll lie to her. And then like, she wants to see the baby and they're like, no. And they're like, we'll just give you a nice sedative. I was like, what? It was awful. Yeah, it was really awful. It it made you think about how helpless parents must feel in those kinds of situations. Even back then, how like messed up our healthcare was. And yeah, like that your only chance of saving your kid would be like, convincing someone over the phone to like risk their life flying a plane with some medicine well and i looked up i was like how much is five thousand dollars in 1939 like that was a lot of money and the the converter i use just now to convert it with it would be a hundred and ten thousand dollars oh my gosh so like when you were asking about like oh is you know do a little like mean-spirited i'm like well i mean like maybe date i mean i (laughs) this is maybe like the lesson of this movie is and and maybe this is the point of the movie is that like this big horrific tragedy like sort of put these like daily or almost tragedy because spoiler alert the baby survives but like you know this almost tragedy like puts into perspective the like daily squabbles and like pain to be like oh yeah like none of this actually matters you know what matters is that this baby like survives and and so like like I appreciate that like he, you know when he he bursts in on the judge and ex, you know and explains desperately the situation like do, Doolittle doesn't even blink he's like get me my checkbook you should have come to me sooner and you know and writes a check without even thinking about it like no questions asked and yeah I- I was impressed by that. But I mean, that's the kind of, if you think about your life now as a parent, if it was like, oh, if I can like pay for this medicine for my sick kid, like, would you go to your boss and ask them for money? Um, I would. And I mean, I would go to, I mean, right now I have three bosses, so I would go to all three of them. <laughs> I need some help. I think I would just assume that, like, no, I mean, we both work in nonprofit. I feel like none of these people would have that kind of money. I don't know. I found that to be very impressive that he just immediately was like, yes, I will just give you this money without hesitation. So that's true. That speaks very well of his character. What I thought was ballsy was that, you know, this guy gives him $110,000 and then when he when he does make partner Johnny, like there's that scene at the very, very end where Johnny is like, there's got to be some changes around here. And it's like, this guy just peed <laughs> for <years. Yeah. laughs> That seemed like the shift that was needed. Like, I don't think anyone needed your speech, my friend. <laughs> I'm still confused about how that happened because they made it clear in the beginning of the movie that they only add a new partner every five years. Right. So, like, did they make an exception? It definitely wasn't five years later because the kid 
was Plus still level. Talking. Yeah. Yeah. So so they must have made an, an exception, I guess, because the buddy got better. Or I don't know. Or he realized that he'd made a mistake. I don't know. I mean, Doolittle realized that he'd made a mistake. Yeah, that Carter didn't seem great. No. <laughs> I do think it was funny how, like, the pilot flew all that way and then, like, had to eject himself from the plane. And then he basically, like, collapsed. And they just never really, like, followed up much about him. Yeah. Did he live? Did he die? Like, that was just, uh, that seemed like something else that I thought they must have cut from this movie. Because I thought there would be some scene at the end. Oh, wait, there was a scene at the end. He does live. There's a scene. He's having a drink. Inexplicably, he's having a drink with the judge at a bar. Oh, like, oh, yes. Okay, so that was him. Because I do remember seeing that. at. It was very brief. And he was on crutches. Right. And the they, like, have a little, like, spar back and forth where... Like do little Conway, and that's the only reason I knew like who exactly he was. But I also was like, "Where are you? And why are you having it?" Like, what? yeah, there's definitely like scenes <laughs> missing from this movie. Yeah, I mean, my overall note about this movie was there's like not, and this was very early on, so it was before like the kid was in mortal peril. But I said there's not a lot of plot holding this together. There's just one vignette after another. And then, of course, there was the plot of the sick child. But Yeah, I would have been really mad if the baby died. And we watched this whole thing. Because I saw some of the I reviews. I know. They were, some of the reviews were saying, like, if you liked pa- Penny Serenade, then watch this. And I was like. Yeah, I was thinking about mm-hmm. Penny Serenade, which is a movie that I don't know if I officially prohibit us, pro- prohibited us from watching. But, like. I now do solemnly and officially prohibit us from watching this that movie, having watched this movie. <laughs> okay, that's fair. I accept that. <laughs> no more movies where we know that children are going to die. <laughs> I've been living my own life, making my own decisions for a long while now. It's impossible to go back to being treated like a child again. Well, do you think we're ready to talk about the Bechdel <laughs> test? And do two women talk in this movie about something other than a man slash relationship? Well, there's a whole conversation that I think is pretty unique that um, Jane has with Lily that's about sort of Mm -hmm. their situation. Yeah, I mean, I I thought, yes, I thought that conversation was good when trying to give her some perspective. Mm -hmm. And there was obviously like a close relationship there. Mm-hmm. you know as close as an employer employee relationship could be yeah. so yeah like i thought that counted and there were also i mean there were scenes with her and the mother-in-law talking too mm-hmm. um that were yeah. not about a relationship like where they're talking about the baby or other things right. so i think it does pass i mean at least yeah it it had a decent number of female characters like there's a lot of exchanges with the various maids that they drive out as well (laughs) yeah that's right so i mean do you agree yeah i agree we all want to help one another human beings are like that we want to live by each other's happiness not by each other's misery is there a social justice message here i mean i well the i think the piece with lily and uh like all the other maids i think like speaks to sort of the class element or the like i mean because you and i you know we both said like get rid of if you don't have any money get rid of the maid and just like and the cook and make make your own meals and clean your own house woman who's not working 
um, <laughs> and doing anything else. Um, multiple women, well-to-do women who are not doing anything. And so I think there's some like piece about class in this movie where like that isn't even like seen as an option when until the very like when they are truly desperate and then she's like I gotta go look for jobs and like she doesn't even tell her husband that she's doing it because it's seen as so like inappropriate I guess for a woman like her um whereas like Lily you know this African-American woman of of course is (laughs) working in service yeah and then some of the other like maids slash cooks that they had uh, there was definitely like an irish woman Mm -hmm. i actually liked that several of them were like kind of feisty and just would quit and not put up with a lot of guff yeah from them i appreciated that and yeah, yeah i mean i wonder if it has something to say too just about i mean maybe i'm projecting contemporary things onto this but like lack of support for new parents Mm -hmm. in our culture and yes like you know they did have some support but it wasn't like they had like a whole village and it wasn't until the baby was actually like near death that other people kind of stepped in to help them and that seemed like a lot of that was luck too so there's no real safety net it was just like do you happen to know a rich person and can you convince someone over the phone to like risk their life to fly see you through a blizzard well partly why they hadn't they well they didn't have any money in or any of the serum in new york city is because they had like all these places had sent the serum to salt lake city because of an epidemic which i thought was an interesting detail so i mean i think there might have been some subtle messages about that but i don't think it was very like explicitly class conscious no there are opportunities for like viewers to look for it i think (laughs) yeah Uh, oh how about that part in the beginning when the mother-in-law like asked jane about her family and she said she didn't have any family and then the mother-in-law sort of like sniffed at her (laughs) and i was like oh geez because that's such an old-fashioned thing to be like who are your people yeah there's definitely some snobbery in this movie. Yeah. Um, well, what would you rate this? This harrowing oh, experience of harrowing a movie. I, like, it was like so painful towards the end, early like the last 20 minutes with the plane and the baby and whatever. And and so I might read it. I'm like, I want to give it a pretty low rating, like a 1.5. <laughs> Oh, well. Because it was just like not, I didn't find it enjoyable at all. Like there were yeah. some moments where I was like, okay, that's nice. But like by the end, I was like, I can't. <laughs> this is like, this is not relaxing <laughs> or entertaining. That's true. Cause a lot of the first half, like even some of the stuff that was supposed to be comedic was sort of like cringe comedy. Yes. Yeah. And I don't, care for that i mean i get a lot of like secondhand embarrassment so like that was the first half so that wasn't enjoyable and then the second half was like you know we might be getting a divorce and our baby is dying so yeah it really wasn't enjoyable almost the whole the only thing that i really liked about it was just the chemistry between the Mm -hmm. leads yeah so what would you rate it Mm, it's hard i guess i would maybe give it a two i mean i didn't think like, I thought all the acting was good. Yeah, it's not a rewatcher. Let's put it that way. No. 
It's not a fun movie. I, I did appreciate, I thought like the young Jimmy Stewart was appealing, even though oh, he was yeah. kind of a sad sack. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I loved his drunk scene. Like, I love when he plays drunk and like he had some nice wardrobe too, where I thought yeah. he looked really handsome. And then Carol Lombard just, you know, she always looks great. So yeah. I had a note about Jimmy Stewart that when he's wearing that suit before, as he's go- going in to talk to Judge Doolittle, he looks like a little boy because he was so skinny i know yeah he was wearing this really nice coat that was like kind of like a trench with like a wide lapel Uh uh-huh at one point that i thought (laughs) i love that so yeah anyway this it's funny that we picked this one because we were like oh yeah a nice romance with jimmy stewart and carol lombard little did we know little did we know (laughs) that'll show us (laughs) So, Hillary, what's our next movie? Ooh, so our next movie is our very first Marx Brothers movie, A Night in Casablanca. Yay! We need a laugh after this. <laughs> May it please the court, I submit that my entire line of defense is based on the proposition that persons of the female sex should be dealt with before the law as the equals of persons of the male sex. Follow the Screen Sirens on Twitter at the Screen Sirens. And leave us a review on iTunes or SoundCloud to help other people find us. Thanks for listening. After all, tomorrow is another day.